Previously on Breakdown. I don't think I'm disclosing anything I shouldn't because I think it's in a filing, is that the medical professional said that Mr. Giuliani is not cleared for air travel, AIR. John Madden drove all over the country in his big bus from stadium to stadium. So one thing we need to explore is whether Mr. Giuliani could get here without jeopardizing his recovery and his health on a train, or on a bus, or Uber, whatever it would be. Let's do a contrast. There's one guy that starts a university that just rips working people off, right? There's one guy that is a fraudster. We all agree with that. I mean, every day is like discovery in a federal case, all right? And then there's another guy that starts a school for free. And so the one guy that's decent and that gives back is told to shut up and just dribble. So after that, we asked again, and they again refused. And when we pointed out that they had given that information to all of these uh, alternate electors, they said that that was true, but they've since changed their mind. I've never heard that excuse from a DA's office or a U.S. attorney's office, but that was their position. They changed their mind. Well, if that's true, then I guess they changed their mind yet again today when they picked up the phone and called Bill Thomas and told him that. Welcome back to Season 9 of Breakdown, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution investigating Georgia's most important cases. We are continuing our coverage of what could be, what could be, one of the most momentous cases in U.S. history. I'm Bill Rankin, the AJC's legal affairs reporter. And I'm senior reporter Tamar Hallerman. Coming up, we were there to see Rudy Giuliani make his way down to Georgia to appear before the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury. We'll also take you inside a true dust-up between Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and the district attorney leading the case. Plus, a court filing by the governor's own lawyer revealed a bunch of dirty laundry on both sides. This is Episode 9, The Pinball Machine of Breakdown, the Trump Grand Jury, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Let's begin with the scene outside the Fulton County Courthouse on the morning of August 17th. It's quite something. TV news trucks are lining the street. Videographers are everywhere. Some TV news crews put up tents across the street and are sitting in folding chairs. Myself and at least a dozen local and national reporters are hovering on the steps by the main entrance. The AJC and other news organizations had people waiting at the other courthouse entrances. 
all waiting for the former mayor of New York City, former President Donald Trump's personal lawyer in the weeks following the 2020 election. Of course, Giuliani's anticipated testimony before the grand jury is pretty big news. But when the DA's office notified him a little more than a week ago that he was a target of the investigation, the news went viral. Just before 8.30 a.m., a huge black SUV pulls up by the curb and the media scrum converges on it. Sure enough, Giuliani steps out and is immediately met by the perfectly positioned Nick Valencia of CNN. Mr. Giuliani, when you met with Georgia lawmakers, did you lie to them? We will not talk about this until it's over. It's a grand jury and grand juries, as I recall, a secret. <laughs> Do you believe President Trump is the ultimate target of this investigation? I'm not going to comment on the grand jury investigation. Giuliani is also asked what he expects from the special grand jury. Well, they, they asked the questions and we'll see. Giuliani's lawyers tried many times to delay this because Giuliani's doctor had not cleared him to fly because of a heart procedure. So how did he make it from New York to Atlanta? How did you get here? I'll give you one answer. I didn't Giuliani is accompanied by his New York attorney, Robert J. Costello, and Vernon Jones. Jones is the former CEO of neighboring DeKalb County. He was a Democrat for many years, but switched parties and became a well-known surrogate for Donald Trump. He challenged incumbent Brian Kemp in the Republican primary for governor this year, but dropped out at Trump's behest to clear the way for David Perdue. He instead ran for a congressional seat, but ended up getting trounced in the GOP primary runoff. Here's what he told reporters about Giuliani. Mayor's a friend of mine. He's a good friend of mine. And I'm a supporter of his. I believe, just like you believe, in the rule of what? The presumption of innocence. I mean, wouldn't you want to be treated that way? So, you know, these things happen. Everybody is, is innocent until proven guilty. And so I like to keep it on that tone. Jones says Giuliani didn't appear to be apprehensive or nervous as they drove together to the courthouse. No, actually, uh, we were having so much fun talking and again, you know, just sharing stories of, of you know, when he has, uh, when he's visited Georgia and um, again, he loves the people here and he talked about uh, the apple pie. He's got some apple pie from somewhere. The Waffle House. He loves the Waffle House. Um, so how green it is here in Georgia and just, just. How many New Yorkers are in Georgia now, too? You know, so just good stuff. I took over for Bill on the front steps, and he went back to work. It was a surprisingly nice, cool morning while I was there. That was the last thing I was expecting. It's been a brutal summer here. Well, it got a bit hot after you left. It is Georgia in August, after all. And of course, we waited and waited and waited. Then, about six hours after he began testifying... Giuliani leaves the courthouse in the black SUV out of a side entrance to avoid reporters. So frustrating. Later that day, an Associated Press reporter caught up with Giuliani after he landed at JFK Airport in New York, and he records the scene on video. We see a skycap pushing a smiling Giuliani in a wheelchair through the airport. Costello, his lawyer, is walking beside them. Here's what Giuliani says about his trip to Atlanta. I can say it was... The, the, the district attorney said at the end, Mr. Giuliani has satisfied his obligation under the subpoena. So I was very happy that I satisfied my obligation. Giuliani declines to talk about his testimony or what questions he was asked. He says this about his plane ride. It's the first one I've taken since I got the stents put in. Oh, so wow. I was a little concerned about it, but it worked out well. It, worked out, it worked out better than I thought. I was. So we don't know if Giuliani took the fifth. We don't know if he invoked attorney-client privilege when asked about his discussions with Trump, 
although we feel sure that he did. And we are certain the prosecution asked Giuliani about his claims, which have since been repeatedly disproven, about what went on at State Farm Arena on election night. They very likely played the clips of Giuliani's testimony before two legislative committees. When you listen to Giuliani testify before lawmakers in Georgia and other states, he sounds so certain there was widespread fraud. But remember what Arizona House Speaker Rusty Bauer said in the last episode. My recollection, he said, we've got lots of theories, we just don't have the evidence. And I don't know if that was a gaffe, or maybe he, he didn't think through what he said, but both myself and others in my group, the three in my group and my, my counsel, both remembered that specifically, and afterwards we kind of laughed about it. Here's Giuliani speaking on the stage at the Ellipse shortly before the January 6th uprising at the U.S. Capitol. If they ran such a clean election, they'd have you come in and look at the paper ballots. Who hides evidence? Criminals hide evidence, not honest people. So over the next 10 days, we get to see the machines that are crooked the ballots that are fraudulent, and if we're wrong, we will be made fools of. Two nights after Giuliani's testimony in Atlanta, former President Donald Trump posted statements on his Truth Social platform. One of them condemned the FBI raid and search for classified documents at his Mar-a-Lago resort. The other was aimed directly at the Fulton Grand Jury investigation. Trump posted, quote, So let me get this straight. In the great state of Georgia, if you want to challenge or protest election results in any way, shape, or form, despite the fact that in Atlanta, murders and crime are the highest in the nation, with many people dying each month at numbers never seen before, they'll charge you and put you in jail. But if you kill people, you'll quickly be set free to murder again. Isn't there something slightly wrong with this scenario? Then he writes in all capital letters with an exclamation mark, a perfect phone call. Atlanta has been having an alarming number of murders, but the former president is wrong in saying its murders and crime are the highest in the nation. The company AH Analytics looked at police data through this past June for cities with populations of more than 200,000. It found New Orleans had the highest murder rate, more than double Atlanta's. As for, if you kill people, you will quickly be set free to murder again? While it's extremely rare for a murder defendant to be granted bond pending trial in Fulton County, it does happen. Of course, those who listened to Season 5 of Breakdown will remember Tex McIver was granted bond. Also, if you're convicted of murder in Georgia, you must serve at least 30 years behind bars before being eligible for parole. That's not being quickly set free. On another front, there's Senator Lindsey Graham. His case has been like a pinball, flittering and caroming about. Except here it's been bouncing from court to court, city to city. It started with an out-of-state material witness subpoena in Fulton County Superior Court. Then it went to federal court in South Carolina, and then to federal court in Washington, D.C. Then it was sent back to Fulton County Superior Court, but it was soon yanked into federal court in Atlanta. When we last talked to you, U.S. District Judge Lee Martin May had denied Graham's motion to quash his subpoena, and the South Carolina Republican said he was appealing her ruling to the Federal Appeals Court in Atlanta. May, by the way, was appointed to the federal bench by President Barack Obama, and Graham voted for her confirmation. 
As Graham files his appeal, his lawyers also ask May to halt the senator's grand jury appearance scheduled for August 23rd. Their motion says they're asking the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to expedite Graham's case. And they ask May to postpone everything until the appeals court makes its decision. But on March 19th, May issues an order denying the request to postpone Graham's appearance. She says she doesn't think Graham is going to win his appeal. And she says the Fulton DA's office has shown extraordinary circumstances and a special need for Graham's testimony. May says there may be some grand jury questions asked of Graham that are shielded by the Constitution's speech or debate clause. But there are others that are political in nature that the senator will have to answer. For example, Graham has unique personal knowledge about the circumstances of the two phone calls he placed to Georgia elections officials in the weeks after the 2020 election. This includes what he did in setting up the calls and what he did afterward. Here's Atlanta lawyer Amy Lee Copeland. She's speaking at a recent webinar hosted by the state's United Democracy Center about the importance of the special purpose grand jury investigation. She says she was struck by one passage of May's ruling. Judge May and her order denying Senator Graham a stay really captured why this is crucial, and I'd like to read from it for you. The public interest is well served when a lawful investigation aimed at uncovering the facts and circumstances of alleged attempts to disrupt or influence Georgia's elections is allowed to proceed without unnecessary encumbrances. Indeed, it is important that citizens maintain faith that there are mechanisms in place for investigating any such attempt to disrupt elections and, if necessary, to prosecute these crimes which, by their very nature, strike at the heart of a democratic system. So May sends the case back to Fulton Superior Court for Graham's expected appearance on the 23rd. She says delaying Graham's testimony would greatly compound the overall delay in carrying out the grand jury's investigation. Except the pinball is still being flipped and bumped around the machine. There appears to be no stopping it. That's right. This time, on Sunday, August 21st, two days before Graham's appearance, the 11th Circuit Appeals Court steps in. In a two-page order, it delays Graham's grand jury appearance and sends the case back to May. It's signed by Judge Charles Wilson, an appointee of President Bill Clinton, and Judges Kevin Newsom and Britt Grant, two Trump appointees. They tell May to consider whether Graham's subpoena should at least be partially quashed. That is, determine whether Graham is shielded from answering some questions by the speech or debate clause. In other words, was Graham conducting official legislative business before, during, and after his phone calls to the Secretary of State? First thing Monday morning, August 22nd, May sent out a briefing schedule for both sides ending on August 31st. So, we should know sometime in September whether Graham has to testify and, if he does, what questions can and can't be asked. Unless he takes this to the U.S. Supreme Court. That seems entirely possible. Remember what he said at a recent press conference. We will take this as far as we need to take it. I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. I had to vote on certifying an election. This is ridiculous. This weaponization of the law needs to stop. So I will use the courts and we'll go as far as we need to go and do whatever needs to be done to make sure that people like me can do their job without fear of some county prosecutor coming after you. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, 
an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. During the State's United Democracy Center webinar, Donald Ayer, former Deputy Attorney General under President George H.W. Bush, says challenges such as Graham's are to be expected. I would just throw in that, you know, one of the great strengths of our system in this country is that people who are being investigated or being charged or whatever have the opportunity to pursue process. They have the chance to go to court. They have the chance to object. You know, like Lindsey Graham, you know, has the chance to make an argument that he shouldn't have to appear, even though ultimately I think he will have to appear. And one of the things that I think it's important that people recognize is that that process, A, it takes time, and B, it's a strength of our system. And so the idea that people should not be encouraged and really should be discouraged from recoiling in disappointment when judicial process must go forward, that's how our system works. We think it's important to note that Graham's lawyers have said they've been told by the DA's office that the South Carolina senator is not a target of the special grand jury investigation. He's only a material witness. Well, an hour or so after Giuliani's SUV left the Fulton courthouse, there was yet another extraordinary development. It came in the form of a new filing from an attorney representing Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. But before we dive in, it's worth taking a moment to step back. Until that moment, as far as we knew, the relationship between the governor's office and Fulton prosecutors was cordial, even friendly. DA Willis had worked hand in glove with Kemp and other prominent Republicans on issues like funding crime labs and fighting gangs and human trafficking. For the Trump investigation, Kemp had agreed earlier this summer to answer questions from prosecutors under oath. The interview was to be recorded and provided to the grand jury. The two sides had agreed to a July 25th date. We even saw a letter from Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade touting the agreement. He said it came in, quote, a spirit of cooperation with the governor and his schedule. But when we got in touch with the governor's office on July 25th to see how Kemp's testimony went, his aides were mum. The governor's spokeswoman, Katie Bird, told us, out of respect for the grand jury process, we will not provide any comment until the proceedings are complete. So last week's filing from Kemp's attorney, Brian McAvoy, came as a real surprise to us. It details a full communication breakdown with the DA's office, one that had apparently been simmering for two months. For starters, Governor Kemp did not end up testifying on July 25th. McAvoy says that Fulton prosecutors abruptly canceled the governor's interview after they'd changed their minds about a planning meeting known as an attorney proffer. Kemp's counsel wanted that meeting to get a sense of prosecutors' questions, to lay out the scope of what the governor could and could not say, and to address some concerns they had about certain privileges. In McAvoy's telling, the DA's office had seemed amenable to an attorney proffer, but later reneged after what was described as a troubling phone call. McAvoy calls it a dramatic change of tone that was followed a few days later with a subpoena. 
That was something else we didn't know. We previously reported that Kemp's office had been subpoenaed for documents, but we didn't know about the subpoena for the governor's testimony. The two sides were supposedly working in a spirit of cooperation. That sense of cooperation really took a turn in July, according to numerous email exchanges that were attached to Kemp's filing. The governor's attorneys were furious about the way that one of Kemp's longtime top aides, communications director Cody Hall, was treated when he testified before the special grand jury on July 12th. McAvoy said investigators, quote, intentionally attempted to elicit privileged information from Hall and then retaliated against him. Hall is currently working on Kemp's re-election campaign. McAvoy accuses prosecutors of presiding over a flawed, politically motivated investigation. He slams the DA's office for slow-walking Kemp's testimony and timing it for maximum political effectiveness before the November elections. DA Fonnie Willis is a Democrat and Kemp is a Republican. McAvoy says he's been in talks with the DA's office to schedule a date for some 14 months and they waited until less than 90 days before the general election to schedule an interview. McAvoy writes, quote, Here, the timing of the subpoena in connection with the unjustified investigative delay reveals, at best, disregard of an unnecessary risk to the political process and, at worst, an attempt to influence the November 2022 election cycle. He then adds, quote, Unfortunately, what began as an investigation into election interference has itself devolved into its own mechanism of election interference. That prompted a scathing reply from D.A. Fonnie Willis herself in a pretty extraordinary email. She accuses McAvoy of conduct beneath an officer of the court. She writes, quote, We've been working with you in good faith for months. You've been rude and even disparaging to my staff. You've been less than honest about conversations that have taken place. The email you have sent is offensive and beneath an officer of the court. You are both wrong and confused. Willis continues, quote, There is an old adage that people take kindness for weakness. You have taken my kindness for weakness and you have continually treated this investigation with disdain. Despite your disdain, this investigation continues and will not be derailed by anyone's antics. McAvoy's motion seeks to kill Kemp's subpoena. It cites several reasons why. Among them, sovereign immunity, executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, and proximity to this fall's November elections. Kemp's subpoena date was for August 18th. Fulton Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney temporarily excused the governor from testifying as he prepares to hear lawyers argue the motion to quash his subpoena on August 25th. You can be sure that your breakdown hosts will be there. If McBurney opts not to kill Kemp's subpoena, the governor's office is asking for two things. First, they'd like Kemp's testimony to be delayed until after the November elections so that the governor doesn't need to be pulled off the campaign trail to prepare and they want McBurney to establish parameters for the types of questions that are on and off limits, just like he did with Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan and state legislators who testified after getting their own subpoenas. It's worth noting that so far, neither McBurney nor U.S. District Court Judge Lee Martin May, who's heard challenges from Graham and Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss, have quashed any subpoenas. They've instead laid out guardrails for questioning to balance the grand jury's right to investigate 
with witnesses' legislative and executive privileges. More recently, McBurney hasn't been willing to let witnesses significantly delay their testimony. Remember, he rejected Rudy Giuliani's effort to postpone his in-person testimony because of his recent medical procedure. The judge noted that the sequencing of witnesses is important as the special grand jury does its work. So why exactly are Georgia prosecutors so eager to talk to Kemp? He was on the receiving end of a relentless pressure campaign from Trump and his allies in the months following the 2020 elections. They wanted Kemp to call for a special session of the state legislature to undo Biden's win, which is illegal, by the way. Kemp resisted Trump's entreaties. He said that state law blocked him from interfering with the election and that changing voting laws before Georgia's January 2021 Senate runoffs would have prompted endless litigation, even though he ended up experiencing that endless litigation anyway. He also received nonstop public tongue lashings from Trump. Here is Trump at a campaign rally in Perry, Georgia. And your rhino governor, Brian Kemp, who's been a complete disaster on election integrity. A complete and total, and I'm not looking to say that. I'm not looking to say that. He's been a complete and total disaster on election integrity. Trump then tells the crowd what happened after members of his staff told him that Kemp wasn't going to call for a special session. But I said to these young people, let me handle it. I was going to show them how good I am. Let me handle it. I'll call them up. I said, Brian, listen, you know, you have a big election integrity problem in Georgia. I hope you can help us out and call a special election. And let's get to the bottom of it for the good of the country. Let's get to the bottom of it for the good of your state. Let's go. Election integrity. What could be better than that? Sir, I'm sorry. I I cannot do that. I said, whoa. I said, you cannot do that. And that's why, let me tell you, this guy's a disaster. He's a disaster. Trump didn't forget Kemp's slight. He drafted former U.S. Senator David Perdue, a one-time Kemp ally, to run against the governor in the GOP primary. Here's Trump in a political ad for Perdue. The Democrats walked all over Brian Kemp. He was afraid of Stacey the Hoax Abrams. Brian Kemp let us down. We can't let it happen again. David Perdue is an outstanding man. He's tough. He's smart. He has my complete and total endorsement. Vote for David Perdue. It didn't work. Kemp trounced Perdue by 52 percentage points. A true landslide victory. We don't know many details of the conversations that Kemp had with Trump. As far as we know, there aren't any audio recordings of their phone calls like there were with Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and elections investigator Francis Watson. That's why Kemp's grand jury testimony is so crucial. He could fill in many important gaps for jurors and prosecutors. That said, it's rare for a sitting governor to be subpoenaed, particularly for a grand jury investigation. Kemp's office said it has already handed over some 130,000 pages of evidence to the DA's office, filling more than 40 banker's boxes. The grand jury requested any documents that provide context about the November 2020 elections and its aftermath, the certification of Georgia's presidential electors, and the rally held at the Georgia Capitol on January 6th. Grand jurors also sought evidence that sheds light on what Trump and his associates were thinking and doing as they sought to reverse Joe Biden's win in Georgia, including telephone logs, emails, texts, and other correspondence. Kemp's lawyer, Brian McAvoy, said... 
that should the governor be forced to testify, there will be a large chunk of information that he can't discuss due to executive and attorney-client privilege. That includes questions about Kemp's deliberative process during and after the elections and his internal communications with advisors. McAvoy also says sovereign immunity should shield the governor from answering any questions about actions he took as part of his official duties as governor. That's a similar effort that Senator Graham has made in his ongoing effort to kill his subpoena. A U.S. District Court judge has been dismissive of that so far. But Kemp's aides believe there are stronger sovereign immunity protections on the state level. We'll see how those arguments are addressed in court on August 25th. But in the meantime, Kemp's efforts have become fodder for the campaign trail, which is precisely what Judge McBurney and D.A. Willis have said they didn't want for this investigation. Precisely. Democrats have pounced on Kemp, including his Democratic challenger Stacey Abrams on CNN. I think once again, Brian Kemp wants to take credit, but doesn't want to take responsibility. He has coasted on this notion that he is an anti-Trump moderate, but we know that he has described himself as a Trump conservative, that he is seeking Donald Trump's endorsement for this race, that he welcomes it, and that this request for him to testify has been ongoing for months. He has had time to do this, and if he doesn't have time to show up to testify, he must not have time to go and raise money or to do anything else, because if he is as concerned about the state of our democracy as he would hope for people to think he is, he would show up for this incredibly important subpoena, and he would provide testimony in a timely manner. Here's how Abrams responded when she was asked about the email exchanges between the DA's office and Kemp's staff and the abandoned plans for an attorney proffer. If you were in Kemp's shoes, the interviewer asked, would you still testify? If you look at the emails that have been released about the back and forth, having dealt with the Kemp administration, I would actually put my faith more in the Fulton County DA's office. I know that this has been a meticulous and very thoughtful investigation and that he is not the only Republican who's tried to skirt his responsibility to provide information. Rudy Giuliani has tried it. Lindsey Graham has tried it. Brian Kemp is trying it. Abrams also says this. He should not only agree to certify the election as was his job, but he should show up and tell the truth about what happened. If he truly believes that that Donald Trump did something wrong, then now is the time to say it. I'm not certain what he would be hiding from America, from Georgia, by waiting until after an election to tell the truth. If he could tell the truth before, he should be able to tell the truth now. Many Republicans are rushing to Kemp's defense. State Senator Burt Jones, who shares the ballot with Kemp this fall as the Republican nominee for lieutenant governor, tweeted, quote, Governor Kemp is absolutely right to fight back against this political attack, and I'm proud to stand with him. Instead of wasting millions of taxpayer dollars on a political attack, the DA should work on the violent criminals she's letting back out onto the streets of Atlanta. Jones, of course, has his own first-hand experience with the Fulton DA's office, He was named a target of the investigation earlier this summer because of his role as a fake elector. And he managed to successfully disqualify the Fulton DA's office from investigating him because Willis had held a fundraiser for his Democratic opponent. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox, 
So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Despite the best efforts of Judge McBurney and the DA's office, it's certainly starting to feel more and more like this investigation has become politicized. In theory, Kemp should want to get his appearance with the special grand jury over with. He's surely not a target of the investigation, but he's running a campaign in 2022, an era of tribal politics, against a well-financed opponent in Stacey Abrams. Not only that, but in his eyes, one of his top aides was treated unfairly by prosecutors. And now he could be next. So this is not a political stunt. This is not a partisan review. Here's former DeKalb County DA Gwen Keyes Fleming on the State's United webinar. She co-authored the Brookings Institution report on the Fulton investigation. She has been presented with facts. And she is investigating to determine whether those facts are sufficient to establish different crimes under the the laws of the state. And so, again, part of the reason she is calling a special purpose grand jury is to have residents of Fulton County listen to that same evidence and make recommendations as to whether they think there is evidence. And I'm, I'm quite certain that that grand jury is very diverse in all different aspects. And so, again, that independent voice combined with her oath uh, strongly suggests that this is not a political matter. It is not influenced by politics. It is not partisan. It is simply an unbiased view of the facts to determine whether there is sufficient evidence to go forward with charges. Meanwhile, one by one, the other lawyers who live outside of Georgia and who also represented Trump after the election are being required to appear before the special grand jury despite their efforts to get out of it. And remember, local prosecutors are helping DA Fonnie Willis in these hearings. On August 16th, Judge Gregory Lehmans from Larimer County, Colorado, rejects lawyer Jenna Ellis's attempts to quash her subpoena. In court filings, the Fulton DA's office says Ellis was a Trump campaign attorney who sought to influence the 2020 election in Georgia and elsewhere. They note that she appeared before a state Senate hearing where Trump's lawyers falsely contended the election was infected with voter fraud. And prosecutors say Ellis was part of a coordinated multi-state plan to influence the results of the 2020 election. She's tentatively scheduled to appear before the special grand jury on August 25th. And here she is, speaking at a November 20th, 2020 press conference. She appears with Giuliani and lawyer Sidney Powell when they introduce themselves as the new legal team representing Trump and the Trump campaign. Let me be very clear that our objective is to make sure to preserve and protect election integrity. President Trump has been saying from day one 
that this is about maintaining free and fair elections in this country. It is not about overturning an outcome. It is about making sure that election integrity is preserved, and every American should want that. If every American is not on board with that, you have to ask yourself why. And if your fake news network is not covering this or allowing you to cover it fairly and accurately, you should ask yourself why. And this is an elite strike force team that is working on behalf of the president and the campaign to make sure that our constitution is protected. Ellis predicts the new legal team will prove in the courts that the 2020 presidential election was corrupted. She likens their press conference to an opening statement. We will get there and we have time and we have constitutional provisions that will step in when we show the corruption and the irredeemably challenged and overturned votes that are absolutely corrupt in all of these counties. It is irredeemably compromised. We will show that, but you have to give us that opportunity. This has been just our opening statement and we have an opportunity to get there and we have time and we will do that. This is the United States of America and we stand proudly for President Donald J. Trump. On August 17th, Judge Mary Marlowe Summer presides over a hearing in Santa Fe County, New Mexico. She considers the Fulton DA's request that lawyer John Eastman be required to testify before the special grand jury. In court filings, Fulton prosecutors note that Eastman testified before the Georgia Judiciary Committee on December 3, 2020, during which he told lawmakers that they had a duty to replace the Democratic slate of certified presidential electors. And this was due to unfounded claims of widespread voter fraud. Prosecutors also say Eastman detailed a plan under which Vice President Mike Pence could refuse to count some of Joe Biden's votes in several states, including Georgia. They say Eastman spoke to Pence about this, but the vice president refused. Here is Eastman speaking to the crowd at the Ellipse shortly before the January 6th uprising at the Capitol. We've got petitions pending before the Supreme Court that identify in chapter and verse the number of times state election officials ignored or violated their state law in order to put Vice President Biden over the finish line. And all we are demanding of Vice President Pence is this afternoon at one o'clock, he let the legislatures of the state look into this so we get to the bottom of it and the American people know whether we have control of the direction of our government or not. We no longer live in a self-governing republic if we can't get the answer to this question. This is bigger than President Trump. It is the very essence of our Republican form of government, and it has to be done. And anybody that is not willing to stand up to do it does not deserve to be in the office. It is that simple. Here's former White House lawyer Eric Hirschman testifying before the January 6th committee. He's recalling what he told Eastman during a phone call the day after the insurrection. I said, good, John. Now I'm going to give you the best free legal advice you're ever getting in your life. Get a great FN criminal defense lawyer. You're going to need it. And then I hung up on him. Eastman took the fifth at least 100 times during his testimony before the January 6th Select Committee. And during the recent hearing in New Mexico, Eastman's lawyer, Joseph Gribble, says his client will do the same thing before the special grand jury in Atlanta. Here is Gribble referring to Court Exhibit A-1, the out-of-state witness subpoena. 
So Mr. Eastman clearly, I mean, he's unfortunately put in the position based on the language of the um, you know, exhibit A1, which is petition for certification for the needed testimony, that it's put, he has no choice but to assert the fifth because of the broad language of the authority of that special grand jury and what they're seeking to obtain type of questions. It, it, he, he has no choice but to assert the fifth. And he does have a Fifth Amendment right in this context. And Grebel says, that's not all. There appears to be a majority of the questions are going to be eliciting information as his capacity as counsel, which, as this court knows, he can't disclose that with permission from his specific clients. It's not his right, but it's his client's rights. And he's ethically bound not to disclose that information. Because of that, Gribble says? He absolutely has a right for the Fifth Amendment. He has the right to assert the attorney-client privilege for specific questions that address to it. And therefore, he is not a material necessary witness because he can't provide information. District Attorney Mary Carmack Altweiss tells Judge Sommer that's not her decision to make. He has reasons for why his client should not have to testify, but those are best best answered by a, by a Georgia judge. Um, they are not appropriate in front of you. Yours, your, your only uh, question today is whether he is a material and necessary witness to the grand jury investigation. And so I would argue that they conceded that and that if he has to support, he has to, take his Fifth Amendment rights and or assert attorney-client privilege, he, he is free to do that, but he must do that in front of the Georgia grand jury or those motions need to be filed in front of a Georgia judge. And the judge grants the state's petition, ordering Eastman to fly to Atlanta and appear before the special grand jury. With respect to the Fifth Amendment, I don't think that planning on asserting the Fifth makes you unnecessary. It doesn't absolve you of showing up and answering questions on a question-by-question basis, I think that would swallow the necessary meaning of necessary. So I don't think that these are um, make him immaterial or unnecessary. I do think that the Fifth Amendment privilege and even the attorney-client privilege is uh, something that is appropriate for the Georgia uh, judge when the grand jury is convened and Mr. Eastman is before him. Eastman is scheduled to testify on August 30th. Next on Breakdown, we'll see what happens with Governor Brian Kemp's subpoena. Maybe the DAs and governor's offices can mend their ways. Though from the way things look now, chances are slim that's gonna happen. Regardless, we'll be back soon. As always, thanks so very much for listening. You can follow our daily coverage on our website, AJC.com. And if you really want to support local journalism, particularly our journalism, please subscribe to the AJC. Be safe and take care. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin. And I'm Tamar Hallerman. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada, You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. 
Beach On.